I would say to somebody who's non-technical that wants to build stuff, just do it. They're, the tools are out there. You just have to find them. You can always reach out to people for help. People are still extremely friendly in this space. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you Diana Chen. Diana Chen runs the Rehash podcast, which is a DAOified podcast. The description of Rehash is a Web3 podcast. So she fits in here absolutely with the rest of us. The thing about Diana that's very interesting, and I think you'll find inspiring, is that she is non-technical. She comes from a lawyer background and found her way into developing an entire DAO ecosystem with no-code tools and relying on other friends and getting to know this ecosystem. It's shocking to hear that she's non-technical because of how well she knows this space. So I hope you find this episode inspiring. Hello and welcome to Dev3, the podcast where I interview developers and builders in Web3. Today I have with you Diana Chen, one of the founders of Rehash and a seasoned podcaster. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on board. It was a little bit easier to figure out a time change. Sometimes I'm talking to folks over in Europe or Singapore. And so you and I are actually both in the Northwest, which is fun to hear. I'd love to get a quick background. What was what was your life like before Rehash? And how did you get to that point? Sure. So I'll give you the TLDR of my background. I started my career as an attorney, um, surprisingly, and practiced for a few years, decided i didn't want to go that route. So I did a real life rage quit, left my job as a lawyer to travel the world. That's what I wanted to do at the time. And I had saved up some money. And so I was going to go travel and figure it out from there. So I started traveling and I, I absolutely fell in love with it and figured, well, now I've got to you know find a way to make money, earn a living while on the road, because you can't really be a, a lawyer while traveling, at least this was back in 2017 too, way before COVID hit. And now everybody's working remote. But at the time, I really didn't know what my options were. So I thought, well, what skill sets do I have? I've always loved writing and been good at it. And so why don't I try my hand at travel blogging? So for the next couple of years, I was on the road. Over time, I realized how difficult it is to make a full-time income as a not just a travel blogger, but as a content creator of any kind in the Web2 world. So eventually, I found a content agency that had a distributed team. So I would be able to continue traveling while earning an income. We were helping B2B businesses start podcasts. And as part of that process, I figured, well, I should probably start my own podcast to prove out to my clients that I know what I'm doing. So I, I started a podcast called Startup Happy Hour. You know, I would bring on founders and other people that worked at startups, and we would basically just chat about anything startup related. But somehow that podcast got into the hands of Matt Gold, the CEO of Unstoppable Domains. And he really liked it and decided to hire our agency to help him start a podcast for Unstoppable Domains. So I got my first crypto client. And that was really the first time that I started to learn about what decentralization meant beyond just buying some Bitcoin. So I learned about decentralization. I learned about what Web3 could do for content creators. So for the first time, I was opening up my mind a little bit and thinking maybe 
we don't have to be starving artists forever. And maybe creators can actually, you know, receive the value that they deserve. And that's what brought me into Web3 and crypto and sort of pulled me down the rabbit hole. And Matt essentially poached me from my agency job and asked me to work at Unstoppable full time. This was like end of 2020. And so, you know, the rest is history. I started working at Unstoppable. I was leading content there, running their podcast, and went over to Rabbit Hole and was leading content there. And back in April of 2022, I started Rehash. It's truly a story of falling down the rabbit hole. And I love that Rabbit Hole was actually part of the work history as well, the company itself, Rabbit Hole. And so I think that is a very solid pun. (laughs) And I think you're a good role model for how you can be red-pilled and how you can find a way to just combine several skill sets here. Because I think what you're doing with Rehash is the first ever experiment of DAOifying and decentralizing a podcast. So can we talk about a couple of those features? So Rehash is a regular podcast you publish several times a week. You cover crypto topics, but not only do you cover Web3, you also are ran as a DAO. So can you tell us about that? Sure. Back when I decided to start Rehash, I was thinking, you know, at that time I had recorded about 150 podcast episodes on Web3 and crypto topics, but I had nothing really to show for myself because I had always been doing it for other people. And as a content creator, all you really want ever is just to own your own work. So I thought, I've got to start my own podcast, have something to show for. And then on the other hand, I had been mulling over this idea of building up a community of Web3 content and media folks because I think there's still not that many of us in this space, but there's a huge need for people who have those skills. So then I thought, well, why not combine these two ideas and build a community around the podcast? So what I did was I launched with Amir Crowdfund back in April of this year, where contributors would receive a rehash NFT that would give them governance rights in the DAO. What people really want is to feel like they have an ownership in something. They feel like they have a say in something, and that's what governance enables. And so the way I structured it is that if you held a rehash NFT, you would be able to nominate guests for the podcast and vote on which guests ultimately made it onto the podcast. And so it was no longer up to me to source guests. You know, I could no longer say, yes, you can come on the podcast or no, you can't. It's really up to the DAO. And I wanted to make it as fair as possible. So I gave myself one vote, just like everybody else. So, you know, I have a say in who gets to come on the podcast as much as any other contributor in the DAO. I love that you did this ethically. You know, you see with airdrops and other token distribution events, most often the founding team still keeps a large amount. So it's really uplifting to know that folks like you are building out decentralized communities with those ethics first and foremost. So just one vote. I love that. Is there a secondary market for that NFT? Like if I were to, you know, now that I'm hearing your story, if I was interested in becoming a contributor or a DAO voter, could I go purchase that? You could. There is a secondary market, but if you sell your NFT, you're also selling your governance rights in the DAO. We haven't seen too many of our NFTs actually listed on the secondary market. 
I'm not sure how to feel about it. On the one hand, it's reassuring that people are happy to be in the community. And so they don't want to give that up. On the other hand, I do want to come up with more ways for our community to be able to get some financial upside from being part of the community. So we actually, we minted all of our season two episodes as NFTs. And so now you can go and purchase these episodes and that would give you governance rights in the DAO as well. Oh, I love that. It's a constant liquidity add to the governance system you have. I wasn't aware of that before. And so this leads me to wonder um, if we could talk about the technical side a bit, what's your tech stack like with taking part in governance? So anything that I've worked with before have always, has always used Snapshot Labs for off-chain. And then when you need to go on-chain, you use Ally. Uh, Ally is on mainnet, so there's some pretty heavy gas fees when you have those mainnet votes. So what's the tech stack over at Rehash? Yeah, so it's changed a bit over time. When we ran nominations and, and voting for season two, we used Snapshot Labs, just like most other people. And it, for the most part, it worked well, but there were definitely a few issues we ran into that we wanted to solve for. And so what we did this season is we ended up using Clarity for the nominations piece and JokeDAO for the voting piece. And so I can break those down a little bit because I'm guessing those aren't the most familiar tools to most of your listeners. So uh, I'll start with JokeDAO. JokeDAO started as a weekly contest for the best jokes submitted on chain. So hence the name JokeDAO. But over time, um, the founder, David Phelps, has actually been able to build it to like this very useful and serious DAO tool for governance. One cool thing about JokeDAO is we're able to custom mint a token that's non-transferable and used only for the purposes of voting in this contest. So it's not a token that you would trade or have price speculation over or anything like that. Um, so the way that we did it for the season is we figured that for season th three, we would have 14 guests that are voted on for season three. So we airdropped all of our holders 14 of these special tokens we minted just for this contest. So for example, if you know I really wanted to see this one guest appear on season three, I could hedge my bets and give all 14 of my tokens to this one guest in order to ensure that they get boosted to the top. Or if I couldn't make up my mind and there were all these great nominations, I could also give one vote to 14 different guests or any combination in between. So this is, uh, I think, sort of an interesting way to gamify it a little bit and have people, you know, hedge their bets into like which guests they like more, how much do they want to see a guest come on the podcast. Uh, one piece of feedback we got last time was, you know, we, we told everybody on Snapshot that, you know, you could vote 14 times or however many times, like corresponding to the number of episodes we would have that season. But people would come back to us and say, you know, I only wanted to vote for two people. Like, I hear what you're saying. I'm allowed to vote for 14, but I only wanted to vote for two. So I only voted for two people. And so now with this mechanism on JokeDAO, if you only want to vote for two people, you can just give seven votes to one person and seven votes to the other. And that way you're not really wasting any of your votes and you're making sure all, all of it is used. Another thing I really like about JokeDAO is that they just built out this randomization feature 
where when you log into our contest on JokeDAO, every time you log in, the order in which the nominations appear will change in, in a random order every time. And this is a really important thing, actually, because there have been studies that have shown that UI actually plays a big role in people's like innate biases towards how they vote. And so people tend to vote for the people at the top of the list. And we noticed this too, actually, with our last season of voting on Snapshot, is that the people at the top of the list, who were actually the people that were submitted towards the end of the nomination period, received overall way more votes than people who appeared at the bottom of the list. That's just because people don't want to keep scrolling, or maybe they start to vote, and something else pops up, and they forget what they're doing and they go off of the screen or for whatever reason. So with this randomization feature, I think that will help us eliminate any sort of UI biases that we might have because every time someone different is going to show up at the top. So that's JokeDown. That's why we're really excited to use JokeDown for our voting process. The reason we're not using it for our nomination process as well is because as of right now, there's no mechanism on JokeDown that would allow us to token gate nominations separately from voting. So the way that we structured our governance when we first launched back in April is we had multiple tiers of NFTs. The bottom tier, which was the cheapest tier, would give you the ability to submit any proposal. And so so that would mean nominating guests because when you nominate a guest, you're submitting a proposal for that guest to appear on the podcast. And then we had another tier above that that would enable people to vote. So this is actually sort of the opposite way that many other organizations have governance structured. And the way, the reason we did it this way is because we think about everything from a content perspective. And so if you think about it from a content perspective, nominating a guest is sort of like creating the content. So that base layer of content, we want decentralized as much as possible. But then that next layer of voting that layer determines who actually gets to come on the podcast that we see as a curation layer. So the curation layer has to be a little more, um, a little more curated and a little more centralized, I guess, than the base layer, because we want to make sure that the people who are making the ultimate decisions for us about who comes on the podcast are, you know, are more vetted out or more trusted people. Um, So because JokeDAO didn't enable that yet, they are working on that. And so I, I'm hopeful and confident that for the following season, we'll be able to use JokeDAO for the entire process. But because we couldn't this time, we ended up using Clarity for the nomination process. And Clarity, for anyone who doesn't know, is um, a really powerful tool for DAOs that is sort of a combination of Notion and Trello and like a bunch of things that don't even have a Web2 equivalent to yet. But what you're able to do on Clarity is you're able to token gate your docs. You could um, gate it so that only certain wallet addresses can view your your docs. Um, something else that's cool with Clarity is you can actually like collaborate on work together. So you could co-write a blog post together, for instance on Clarity and build in a split to get people paid out. Like say, you and I, Dawson, co-write a blog together. We could, you know, at the end of the day, like build in a split where 50% of that the bounty goes to you and 50% goes to me. So it's just a really cool tool for DAOs 
But what we were able to do with it is token gate it so that only our NFT holders would be able to edit the doc and they could write all of their submissions there, all of their nominations on the doc so that it was transparent for everybody to see. Um, and also, you know, would skirt the issue of having to pay gas. So we just wrapped up the nomination process and we essentially copy and pasted all those nominations over to JokeDAO and we're starting the voting process now. I also should mention too with JokeDAO that you can choose uh, from a variety of different chains. So you don't have to use Mainnet. We're launching our contest on Polygon. So it's just going to cost, you know, pennies to vote on every transaction. Yeah, you read my mind. I was about to ask which chains this is supporting and, and how you do it, but you already answered that now. Um, and so it, it begs the question, you know, you just you just mentioned that you're working with JokeDAO with Polygon. I imagine that was not a smooth transition or it was probably a tricky transition from season one to season two when you switched tools. What was that process like? Because although we're in Web3 and things are supposed to be all money Legos that plug in, when it comes to L1, L2, when it comes to mainnet and Polygon, there's some hiccups that can happen and there's some collaboration difficulties. So how did you make that transition? So the transition was surprisingly smooth. I, I mean, I hear you whenever we're doing something new, there's always hiccups. One thing that I looked out on and one of the reasons I chose Clarity and JokeDAO is because I'm friends with both of the founders of Clarity and JokeDAO. So in that way, I was lucky enough to have direct access to them and be able to DM them anytime I ran into a bug or ran into any sort of issue. And they were both super helpful in helping me work through those bugs. But with the Polygon thing and trying to switch chains, I had actually accidentally deployed the contest on Mainnet at first and immediately realized how much gas would cost when I had to go sign the transaction. And I was like, oops, I forgot to switch the chain. But it was as easy as clicking a drop down and going from Mainnet to Polygon. That was literally all I had to do. So <laughs> the great thing about DAO tools nowadays is that they are really built for non-technical people to be able to build cool stuff in this space. And me as a non-technical person, like I was able to, you know, deploy this contest entirely by myself on JokeDAO on Polygon just by a simple click of a button. It's incredible that we have tools like that now. You know, as a developer, a lot of times I can think of some fresh code that I'm writing as the solution to everything. But really, even if you are a dev, it seems like the tools you've worked with and some of the DAO tools that are coming out might even be a better choice. Um, so what else did you work with within that process? So it sounds like there's some DAO tooling with Clarity that had some easy dropdowns. Um, I know Manifold had come up in the process and the conversation before. Um, how does Manifold fit in the stack here? Yeah, so Manifold helps creators mint their own uh, works on chain. And so Manifold came up because when we first launched our Mirror Crowdfund back in April with our NFTs, we didn't realize that our NFTs would then live on Mirror's smart contract. Um, the problem with this is then when we went to token gate some of our community things, like even token gating our Discord channels, for our NFT holders, we wouldn't be able to token gate based on smart contract. Typically, what you would do is you would just type in the smart contract address and say that anybody that holds an NFT from the smart contract address will be able to access these gated channels. 
But because we were using Mirror's smart contract, if we did that, we would be opening up our channels to anybody who ever deployed a crowdfund on Mirror, which would be a lot of people. So we realized that the only option we had was to create our own smart contract. But as a non-technical team, that seemed like a daunting task. So we we discovered Manifold and uh, it was super easy as a non-technical person to create our own smart contract and mint any tokens on it that we wanted to. And so now whenever we mint a new token, like for instance, when we start season three and we have new episodes to mint as NFTs, we can do all of that on our own through Manifold. So now we have our own smart contract and we're able to gate our Discord, gate access to our voting processes, our governance processes much more easily because we can just type in our our smart contract address for our NFTs and gate it that way. And it's so much easier than what we were doing before, which was whitelisting all of the addresses of our holders, which you know is also a fluid process and hard to manually keep up with. Yeah, it sounds like, again, you've just really found some tools that plug in well together. You've got the right resources as well, uh, being friends with those founders to be able to reach out and and learn. And I love that with the increased access that you have and that the team you've built, you're actually able to share this knowledge. Um, it's not just within a closed room, the way that you're learning to build uh, and you're building amazing things that some devs can't even build through the tools that are out there. And so I think you stand as a really good goal or mentor for people of, I want to be more like this. I want to be more like you, you know, you've figured out how to have the superpowers of web three without writing the physical code itself. And I think all of us should learn from that, even the developers. And so in that vein for you, what advice might you have for someone who is non-technical or less technical that really has big dreams in web three? Yeah, thank you for those kind words. I would say to somebody who's non-technical that wants to build stuff, just do it. The tools are out there. You just have to find them. And you can always reach out to people for help. People are still extremely friendly in this space. Reach out to people for help. Ask people who have built the things that you want to build how they did it. You know, if you're a musician, for instance, and you want to mint your music, on chain and you have no idea how to go about that, ask other musicians that you follow on Twitter, just slide into their DMs and say like, Hey, I want to do what you're doing. Could you help me out? Or I'm curious which tools you're using. Would you mind sharing that? And I think you'll find that for the most part, people are really friendly and really willing to help in the space. So I would just say, don't let the fact that you don't know how to write code stop you from pursuing the things that you want to pursue. If you feel strong conviction that you want to build something, there's there's a way to do it. Um, trust me, there is. There, there are tools out there. Or if there really isn't a tool out there, start tweeting about it. Start talking to your dev friends about it. Be like, hey, this is something people really need. Can you build this? And I think for devs, like it's really about thinking about like, how do we build these no code or low code solutions for consumers to be able to build cool stuff and do the things that historically only devs were able to do? Because that's what's in high demand right now. But that's also what's going to drive the space forward and drive innovation forward, because then you're opening up 
you know, the possibility of innovating and creating new cool stuff to everyone instead of just to people with technical abilities. Yeah, the takeaway is jump right in. And that's actually something that comes up very often with guests. I think those of us who have done that, who have like pushed ourselves, we're standing on that other side, trying to let everyone know that that jump is possible. That jump is not that scary. Um, or, or if it is something you're very fearful of, it's something that we want to let you know. Uh, maybe, maybe it's not as scary as you think. And I'm going to ask one question as we come to a close, which may or may not get us somewhere. But just in case, um, so I had a time period as well where I was traveling the world. Uh, I did it for a year. And that's when I started to really embrace and care about decentralized and Web3 values. Was there anything from your time period traveling uh, when you were moving around, it sounds like, that has now allowed you to think a certain way or has led to what you're currently working on here with Rehash? I would say definitely. Overall, traveling has made me a lot more open-minded and just helped me to understand different ways of thinking about the same issue and different perspectives that people have based on the conditions that they live in and the circumstances that they find themselves surrounded by. That definitely helped me to understand crypto a little bit better too, because I think when you think about crypto just from a money perspective and um, think about DeFi and like what impact it can have, I think if you're only looking at it from the lens of somebody who grew up in the US or, you know, in Canada or like a similar uh, Western nation, it can be hard to understand what the impact is there. But I think for people who come from different parts of the world, especially third world countries or countries with more unstable governments that they can't rely on, I think for them, crypto immediately makes sense. And they understand that use case immediately. So I think like having friends from all around the world and being able to see some of that with my own eyes, I think helped me to like better be able to apply what I was learning about crypto and decentralization to different potential use cases that you might actually see from around the world. And then, yeah, just traveling around and, you know, doing the content creator thing. I mean, that's what initially dragged me down the rabbit hole of Web3 and helped me to like get interested in it. So that definitely played a role too. Yeah, that did turn out to be a decent question because I feel like I also... Uh, I've experienced a different way of seeing the world. And uh, I, I really do want to hit on what you said is the variety of opinions you surround yourself with. And I think the variety of opinions you have around you is directly correlated with how open-minded and accepting you can be. And Web3 requires that. We are a global community. Um, we're trying to make things for emerging markets, like you said, and also developed nations, both. And so in order to have products or to have tools or websites, software, podcasts, anything to be consumable by folks worldwide, you want to try to have the most open-minded points of view you can. I think that's what allows you to really connect with more people as well. And connecting with people uh, like we are right here is it's some of the the source of life, right? It's what makes you feel happiest. It's what, it's what makes us feel belonging. Um, so I really appreciate the time today. I think, as mentioned, you are a great role model for folks. And so where can they find you online? What's a good place to connect with you? Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. And I really, I 
want to emphasize like double underlying that last point that you just made. I think that's one of my strongest convictions in the space working in content and web three is if we're really trying to build a, a future of the web that serves everyone globally, then the first step is to understand what people need globally. And so to do that as you know, doing what I do is to give people a diverse array of people, the stage to speak on and for their voice to be heard, a platform where they can be heard so that we can all, you know, better understand the perspectives of people from around the world. Because I only have the lived experiences that I have, you only have the lived experiences that you have, you know, um, we'll never know, you know, what the experiences of somebody who grew up in Africa, for instance, is like, as much as we talk to people there, and we can travel there, and try our best to understand, we'll never understand at that level. But what we can do is give people a platform to speak and share their experiences so that we can at least be exposed, you know, to their thinking and to their experiences and start to try our best to understand where they're coming from. So just wanted to double underline that last point. Um, but yeah, if you want to find me, the best place is Twitter. My handle is DDW Chen on Twitter. That actually is my handle on every social platform. So you can you can find me anywhere, but Twitter is probably the best place. Excellent, Diana. Well, thank you for the information there. I think it is pretty coincidental. You and I did not chat about the travel portion of our life at all before hitting record. We didn't discuss uh, any of that open-minded point of view part that we really learned while traveling. And so that serendipity, I think, was pretty exciting to discover here in the middle of the recording. Um, so I'm going to include your Twitter and rehash as well down in the show notes. Um, is there anything else you want to leave folks with before we say and sign off before we say goodbye? If any of this resonated with you, we'd love to have you as part of the community. So feel free to join our Discord. Um, you can also read all about us. We publish weekly updates about what's going on at Rehash on Mirror. It's just rehash.mirror.xyz. So you can always keep up there. But joining our Discord is probably the best way to get all the insider info. Um, and I, I'm happy to send you the link to that too, Dawson. Excellent. Yes, I will add that in the show notes as well. Well, thank you for the time today, Diana.